Welcome to the ACO Show. This is Josh Israel. I'm a medical director at Allidaid. Allidaid is a company that brings independent primary care physicians together to form accountable care organizations. And part of our outlook is that primary care physicians are in many ways perfectly situated to bring down healthcare costs. This is because one of the best ways to bring down medical costs is to keep patients healthy enough that they don't need to go to the hospital. But what if you're a hospital system and you do that? If fewer patients get sick, you might see your revenues fall. So you might not be as incentivized to have that as a goal. With this in mind, Joe and I really enjoyed speaking with Emily Brower. Emily is the Senior Vice President of Clinical Integration and Physician Services at Trinity Health in Michigan. Trinity Health is a system that includes both accountable care organizations and hospitals. And it was great to hear her perspective on how to keep patients healthy while still keeping an eye on the financial bottom line and how those goals don't feel contradictory if the main goal is the health of the community you serve. Welcome to the ACO Show. I'm Joe Schunkweiler, the Vice President of Adoption and Training here at Allidade, and we're very excited to have with us Emily Brower. I'm Dr. Joshua Israel, a Medical Director here at Allidade. Uh, Emily is the Senior Vice President of Clinical Integration and Physician Services at Trinity Health. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Emily, can you start off by just telling us a bit about Trinity Health, uh, the structure of the organization, like what it, what it looks like, and, and how you guys work? Um, so Trinity Health is a very large health system. Visually, you can think about it as a T on its side, going across the middle of the United States and up and down the East Coast. We have uh, 16 clinically integrated networks um, across that footprint. That's where we do our population health stuff. And, um, and you know, Trinity Health has made a huge uh, commitment to this work. Um, and and really stood up that operating structure either on around what may have existed in that market, whether it was an IPA or a PO or a PHO or a medical group. And if there wasn't that kind of network or integration structure, then started out with an ACO. That's fantastic. Thanks for taking us through that. It sounds like you have a lot of moving parts in the Trinity universe uh, to manage. And then specifically your role, uh, Emily, what's, you know, what do you do as the senior VP there integrating all this work and working on physician services for Trinity? Yeah, so I like to say the, the short answer to that is whatever it is that the leaders of our clinically integrated networks need to be successful. So we have a small team here. Um, that partners with the, the really the business and operational and clinical owners of the work in the market. Um, and the team here, most of us are people who have been in their shoes, so run CINs or medical groups or IPAs or what have you and have been doing this um, work. And when I say this work, I mean managing total cost of care. Uh, for populations, and um, and so we partner with those leaders. We work with them on, you know, what's the right leadership and governance structure, what are the clinical programs, what's the network they need, what are the payer contracts, and um, the IT and analytics resources. And we try and do anything that benefits from scale or spread as Trinity Health while recognizing that all care delivery is local. And what is your role with the Trinity Health Accountable Care Organization? Sure. So, um, you know, this is always that fun um, 
fun terminology discussion about is an ACO an entity or is an ACO a program or is an ACO a payer product? And so for us, just because it'll be helpful as we talk today, the clinically integrated network is the structure in the market. They have accountability for all um, the alternative payment models that wrap around our population health, our care redesign work. And some of those are Medicare ACOs, some of those are Medicare Advantage, some of those are commercial risk, Medicaid risk. We have all flavors and types. For um, our Medicare ACOs, we actually um, have two that we operate across markets. So we have Trinity Health Integrated Care, which is an MSST Pathways Enhanced um, ACO, and we have Trinity Health ACO, which is a next generation ACO. And, uh, you know, there are tremendous benefits that we can talk about, about doing that um, as a national entity. But we also have some single and some regional ACOs that are still in their own uh, contract with Medicare, some in their last year of their original track one, their second, you know, contract period of their old track one and the old terminology, some in, you know, went live in, in July um, in, in pathways. Uh, but at this point, most of our markets are in one of our two national um, entities. The, Emily, that's a helpful breakdown of all the all the moving parts um, that we talked about before. Um, and I think uh, one of the questions we might have off of that is, you basically have multiple ACOs in your portfolio, both across cutting across these networks that you guys have, as well as freestanding ACOs. Yeah, I mean, we we have. Um, Yes, uh, so we think of, of a Medicare ACO as a contract um, that around a particular population of Medicare beneficiaries. Um, and so, yep, we do those both um, across markets or across clinically integrated networks. And we do have some that are um, single, have accountability just to that individual clinically integrated network. Yep. And when you roll it all up, um, we've got 1.6 million people that we have attributed to those clinically integrated networks and uh, $10.5 billion that we're managing. And a lot of that is Medicare, but not all of it. That's really a fascinating way to see it as the ACO as a contract. I have generally conceptualized it as a, a sort of a virtual entity, but the way you're describing it with your multiple parts there, it makes a lot of sense. It's an interesting way to look at it. Yeah, and so we always have, we always, that's why I said it's us, we'll have a fun conversation about terminology. And uh, that's the way we do it because we're really clear that the clinically integrated network is the accountable entity in our market for our work um, that uh, is manifested through alternate payment models. And they've got clinical accountability, quality, cost network accountability, that it lives locally within the clinically integrated network, one of those contracts, and actually always one of those contracts is a Medicare ACL. You know Alidaid, uh, familiar somewhat with our work and I think yeah. as well with how we see the world, so you know these questions are coming. Um, we aggregate independent physicians into ACOs and we are hyper aware of the internal conflict 
that hospital systems have in running ACOs, where we see one of the best ways to get shared savings is to keep people out of the hospital, keep them from needing to go to the emergency department. Um, you're part of a structure that includes hospitals. What do you see as some of the key differences between physician-led ACOs and hospital ACOs? And you know, do you think there are any structural disadvantages or even advantages to a, a hospital-based system? Yeah, and um, love this topic. One of my favorites. And um, we are a physician-led ACO uh, that has uh, hospitals in its ne- in its networks. So our boards, leadership, physicians. Um, so just you know, just to acknowledge that our clinically integrated networks are led by physicians. The boards of those clinically integrated networks are led by physicians. Most of the physicians in our clinically integrated network are independent docs practicing in the communities where we're committed to improving the health and well-being of those communities. So we see it as a great opportunity to deliver on our mission to do that by providing a more sustainable business model for the independent docs. So um, while we have hospitals in our networks and we are closely aligned and we are part of Trinity Health, we have a lot of the same goals that Allidate does. And what I saw was when I was leading what some people would call physician ACOs, the way you described it, physician ACOs, I thought we had tremendous success in HSL still to this day is one of the leaders in this work, and I'm so proud of, of that work. Um, but I could see that unless I could get inside the hospital, um, there was going to be an endpoint at which, particularly given the way these models work, I, I did everything I could outside of the hospital. And if I really want to change the way care is manifested in a community, I've got to get inside the hospital. I need to be a, more a part of their strategic um, direction. And that's Trinity Health. So when I looked across the country at all of the different systems doing this work, both hospitals, non-hospitals, disruptors, new people are new to market, you know, um, private equity funded entities, that whole thing, um, I said, where do I have the best chance to actually transform care for the long run or be part of that? <laughs> you know, I'm one person. To be, to be part of that, who's really committed to that? And, and touching all parts of the delivery system and self-disrupting where they need to, and that's trendy. So here today, reducing ambulatory care-sensitive condition admissions, that's part of everybody's compensation model, leaders across the system, including hospital leaders. So we are committed to transforming the way care is delivered, improving outcomes, including when it means taking business out of our emergency rooms and out of our hospitals, we think care that can be delivered in an ambulatory setting is care we want to be delivered in an ambulatory setting. Just like you, if someone shows up in our ED because of a, a flare with their um, chronic condition, we see that as a failure. We want to make sure they have, you know, their rescue plan and their home protocols and all that good stuff so that they don't come to the ED. And we're very, it's very explicit here um, that that's where care is going. That's where we are going. Um, so um, while it, it can feel in moments 
um, very disruptive and that we're, uh, I was just talking today about how do we get past this idea of mixed messages and have one message. So we're working a lot on how we communicate this work. So every day people know how these things come together, how we deliver great episodic care, because lots of people will need us for that who are not part of one of these models, right? Every day in many of our communities, we are the anchor hospital, we are the community hospital, we are the place of refuge. We will always be that. We need to have our doors open for that. We need to do that really well. And um, at the same time, we need to be driving care for those people and the others who are attributed to us out into the community, into the home, and prevent um, the care that's preventable. I love that term, self-disruption. I, I think I'm going to use that next time I accidentally say something inappropriate at a meeting. I'll, I'll just <laughs> call it self-disruption. Um, so within your ACOs, given the complexity of your system, I'm sure there's not a single answer uh, for this. But at Allidade, we are focusing on a few things in particular to try to bring down costs and keep people healthy, things like transitions of care, more annual wellness visits. Do you have a few things within your ACO that you're really trying to, to home in on and nail to bring down costs? Yep, and those would be on our list as well. Um, you know, reducing unnecessary admissions and when patients do get admitted, doing an exquisite job on transitioning them to the least restrictive, most clinically appropriate next site of care, making sure that at those moments when um, care can fall apart for somebody, that it doesn't happen, right? And those are all along those transition points, as, as you know. Um, and, then, and then getting ahead of all that risk. Uh, annual wellness visits are a huge um, priority for us, um, making sure that we understand, take that moment once a year to really understand what are all the clinical conditions for that population and what's their priority um, so that we can create that patient-centered plan of care and work and partner with them on the um, conditions of, that are most important for them. And, um, you know, and, and then um, sort of setting up you know, the care that they need, connecting them all that with specialists that they need, all that good stuff that can come out of a really well done annual wellness visit. So, yep, those are super important to us. And then we uh, have put together what we call our ambulatory quality program. So how do we take all the, you know, 300 different measures that are in all the contracts and, and other accountable account where we're accountable and boil it down to the measures that are most clinically important and get people, you know, focused on uh, changing the way that they are, um, you know, maybe it's right in the practice, right? What are the MA workflows? What are the nurse workflows versus, uh, and at the same time, the work around the practice to support care across the continuum. So I would guess if you took what we're doing and our scorecard and you put it next to what you guys are doing, it's all the same stuff. Because that's where we have a great opportunity. And what have your results been so far, both for patient health outcomes and for cost savings? Yeah, so um, the one of the nice things about Medicare ACOs, right, is all that data is public. And so um, we do always um, uh, compare ourselves to Trinity Health. Our goal is to be top decile in everything we do. So um, we've put ourselves up against all the other ACOs. We do really well 
Um, we uh, in uh, in calendar year 18, and as you guys know, this is always takes a long time before anyone can speak to the great results that they have. So we're still talking about 18, but in calendar year 18, our two um, national um, ACOs returned um, nearly $40 million to Trini Health and Savings and $50 million in our episodic um, alternative payment models, the bundled payment um, program. So success, very high success, 98% um, quality score for Trini Health ACO um, and, and the others, you know, year-over-year improvements. So we're pretty proud of the quality performance as well. So I have a question about incentives. One of the things uh, that we have found here um, is that given that physicians and all they don't work for us, we partner with them, they, they work for themselves, um, they aren't going to do something just because we say they should. Um, I worked at a veterans hospital before this, and the doctors would get told what to do, and they had to do it, but it was very grudging. It was often not done uh, with complete buy-in, and you could tell from the output. And we found here that when you finally do convince a doctor and you have a bought-in clinician, it's the best. You know, they're not doing it because they have to, because they see that it's good for their patients and for their practice, and, and it's, it's really fantastic. And we do try to incentivize people, um, including with shared savings. Um, I wonder within your system, given the, all the different providers, what kind of things you try to do to incentivize providers beyond just showing them that this is good for them and their patients? Yeah, and so uh, just like you, you know, there's just nothing better. And and I would say we could do everything else that we've all just been talking about. And if we don't have those engaged providers who are really driving the redesign, we got nothing. I mean, I say that, you know, somewhat glibly, but sure, you can do a lot of work around next site of care, managing a, a post-acute network. You can do some of that work kind of around the doctors. Um, that's not the way we do at Trinity Health, and that was really important to me, but you can, right? But to really have it be different and lasting, it's got to be driven by the docs. That was my experience when I gave you that little short history of my career. My experience was I was chasing the docs who wanted to do practice a different kind of medicine. I was going after that with, here's how I can help you do that. Here's how I can help you do that. And that's, like you said, that's like the best. It's so great. So exciting. And I had one physician say to me, this, this is the burnout antidote. So I'm always looking for that. I'm looking for where are those docs, who are those docs, who's going to help us um, lead this work. We do, of course, um, provide data, and people like to be top performers, sort of in our nature, right? And um, so data and data feedback, I'm sure similar to what you guys do, does um, help align that and the support, right? So in those clinically integrated networks, We've got people who can support them and when they're getting caught up with stuff with a payer contract, um, can help them on um, what some, you know, easier ways to set up and go through that annual wellness visit process, can help with, hey, today let's take a look at your patients with diabetes who look like they need some more support and let me tell you a few things that um, might help with that that I've seen, you know, in my other practices. And then the, the nurse care managers, their partners are sort of special forces for those super complex um, patients. So 
about those services, absolutely, that's a big piece of it too. And we do return uh, shared savings um, to the uh, providers, in particular the primary care providers. That's really, they're the ones who are leading and designing the work, and they're usually the ones who are adding the staff and the time in their day. Because we, most of our um, alternative payment models in Medicare are advanced alternative payment models, the specialists in our network um, do have access to the um, the bonus, um, you know, for, for their, when they're participating providers. Um, and then if they're not in the participating provider in the ACO, but still in the network, of course, the ability to coordinate care, work closely with a PCP and vice versa, that's also very appealing for our docs to build those relationships back to a place that feels more like the way they used to practice medicine. That was a really long-winded answer. (laughs) That was a complicated issue. Well, and, and I think with the complications and, you know, clearly you, you your team is digging into this and, and making it work. And um, it's nice to hear from fellow travelers, so to speak, in this work. Yep. But I would be I would be remiss if I didn't ask what's what hasn't worked or, you know, what are you most concerned about looking ahead as a senior leader in, in a complex, clinically integra- integrated organization like this? Yeah, so what we are always, because we are really authentically trying to do this across the system of care, we are always looking for those highly aligned moments, right? So we talked about annual wellness visits. That's a great one, right? Because if you can do it efficiently, it's bringing um, revenue, you know, next week into the practice. And that's important because in many of these models, it's not till 18 months later, right, that we can say, and here's how we did, and here's the return to you on the investments that you made that whole year. So that engagement and being able to tie more closely what we're doing today to what's going to um, come in the shared savings, if you will, you know, in 18 months, that's always a challenge. And finding those moments of alignment is what we want to do anyway. We make the right thing to do, the easy thing to do, all of that. So I do, we do worry, I think, just like you guys around how we keep that engagement when, you know, the, the actual results and the payment that drives from those results is so far down the road. And then um, some of the other vagaries of the model, which we could probably spend a whole other time talking about and, and helping people to, to focus less on that and to focus more on the opportunity. I feel like that's what we do um, every day. And, um, you know, we, we're always, we're, we often have a lot of great ideas and we try and figure out how do we do that thing, whether, you know, often it's about bringing care into the home, um, when it's going to be a cost, and we are, we're doing it because we have a hypothesis and hopefully some data that will show us that if we do it well, there will be a return. But you guys know how this works. You know, sometimes it feels like we did all this work and drug prices just went up by 20%. And, um, you know, frankly, here at Trinity Health, we haven't been doing a lot. We don't have strong ambulatory pharmacy. It's just not 
something we ever built. Um, so we're kind of catching up. And so I would say the stuff that doesn't, that really we struggle with is we see what's in front of us. We see so many opportunities to, to build more programs to get better and better. And, um, and we have to balance that against like, whoa, what just happened? And so right now we're trying to get our arms around pharmacy costs. And that, that's, that's sort of hard to manage. It doesn't always feel great um, that, uh, you know, we're going down one path and then quickly we got to pull people, you know, and, and put some resources around understanding the thing that um, we weren't expecting. So, Emily, with everything you have going there at Trinity Health, are accountable care organizations part of your long-term strategy or just a part of the portfolio that you're working on at the moment? So definitely the long-term strategy, uh, you know, the way we think about it and, um, you know, Trinity Health's mission is to be a transforming healing presence in the communities we serve. So our goal is to improve the health and well-being of the community. We do that through episodic care. We do that through population health. But that's our underlying reason for being. So we are always going to be transforming care and improving that care and the health and well-being of the community. When we can put an ACO or another alternate payment model around that, then we can have the payment structure that rewards that. So we will always raise our hand if it's a reasonable contract um, and it helps us achieve our mission of improving the health and well-being of the community, we are in it and we are in it for the long term. We absolutely have to reduce costs for um, the people we serve, the families and the communities because healthcare is crowding out the other things we need and our commitment is to that community. Well, Emily Brower, Senior Vice President of Clinical Integration and Physician Services at Trinity Health, thank you for joining the ACO show today. Thanks so much for having me.